It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Dozens of voices are coming to Unicon Las Vegas at the World Trade Center October 1st through the 3rd. Of course, these dozens of voices belong to one guy, and he's my guest, voice actor Rob Paulson, who you know or hear from Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, and other animated projects that Paulson has been part of for nearly three decades. And you can follow Rob Paulson on Twitter, Instagram, and I think this is a first for one of my guests, TikTok. Rob and Assembled Voices, welcome to the show. Hello, Ira. Thank you for lowering your journalistic standards for an old uh, animaniac. It's a pleasure to be with you, sir. Thanks so much. Absolutely. You're coming into town. As I mentioned, it's going to be October 1st through the 3rd at Unicon Las Vegas. And there's a special reason you're coming in. Why don't you tell us what that is? Well, anytime, Ira. I mean, we're in this business. And anytime that you get a chance to meet folks who are going to make a fuss over you simply for doing your job is a wonderful reason to go do anything. You know, but this is kind of unique because, as you mentioned, I'm I'm fortunate enough to be a couple of Ninja Turtles and one old guy from Detroit. But the original Ninja Turtles back in, gosh, 1988, 89, when we first, you know, started on our road to become what we are. We have the original four turtles and our friend April O'Neil. So we have all of all five of the protagonists from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who would be together. October 1 through 3, they're at the World Trade Center in Vegas. And um, we're going to have so much fun. That is Townsend Coleman, Michelangelo, yours truly, Raphael, Cam Clark, Leonardo, Barry Gordon, Donatello, and the beautiful uh, Renee Jacobs, April O'Neil. And it's very unusual to get all of us together. And it turns out that turtles do live a long time. And we should not confuse you with the other turtles singing happy together, correct? No, right. in fact, you're, you, I'm so glad you said that because I actually got a chance to meet Mark Volman, one of, you know, Mark Volman and Howard Kalen, who came later to be known as Flo and Eddie when they were working with Frank Zappa. But it was such a gas to meet Mr. Volman because I was a huge fan of the turtles. And we kind of we got to sing happy together as the original turtles and the original turtles. It was pretty cool. <laughs> That's excellent. So will you guys be performing there or just be greeting the fans? How does that work? We will be well, we will in fact be performing and meeting the fans, kind of one and the same. When we do these personal appearance events, conventions and such, everybody wants to hear Raphael say, Turtle power, or come on back here, Shredder, I'm gonna kick your butt, you know, all that stuff. So to that extent, we will be performing. We'll be doing panels, Q&A, and then, of course, signing stuff. Uh, but you ain't got to buy nothing. You, If you folks want to come just to say hi, all of us love to hear the stories about how many people connect with these characters on such a deep level. And it is nothing short of astonishing to all of us. And it's just a great time for everybody. How do you maintain your sense of proportion? Because you have had, you and collectively the other voices, You've had this impact on not just one generation, but several generations. How do you yeah. keep that from driving you crazy? In other words, how do you keep your feet on the ground? Well, thank you for asking. And that your, your, your question is, is very kind because it suggests that 
that I am a, a you know a, a quote celebrity close quote to the extent that I would have to worry about that. But you know we have to make. I always make it clear to people. I don't drum. I don't write them. It is a deeply collaborative effort. Look, I'm really good at my job. So are you. We ought to be. We've been doing this a long time. But this is a very collaborative circumstance. And when it works, I submit it's utterly magical. It certainly is timeless, but we can't do it without one another. And I, I people don't generally wait for the next Rob Paulson project to hit the airwaves or to go to the movie theater local you know, near you. I have been more than fortunate. And I would like to think that I add something to the projects on which I'm so fortunate to work. But it's not like being Brad Pitt. You know, it's it's not like walking down the street and people say, oh, my God, there's Pinky. Um, <laughs> however, due to nice people like you taking the time to chat with me and the advent of the Internet and social media, I get recognized a lot more. And I love it. The reason I love it is because all I have to do is say, Narf, or hello, Ira. And people do what you're doing now. <laughs> Look what happens to your handsome face. <laughs> smile. It's the most glorious circumstance. And frankly, the one who gets the most joy out of it is yours truly. I cannot get enough of it because it's just about happy. It's fantastic, Ira. Here's what I think about you. Tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong. Okay. You had, and not everybody gets this, but you had throat cancer. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Third stage throat cancer. Yes, sir. You're still with us, and Ugh. despite the solemnness of that illness, here's my theory on you, that you always were and still are a kid. I am, without question, without question. And respectfully, I would submit you're not too dissimilar. You're um, correct. You are correct, I, sir. When, you, when one chooses to be in effectively the happy business, that is this side of the entertainment business, our job is to bring joy to people, whether it be interviewing someone who is on this side of the microphone or someone who's a comedian or somebody who's a, a singer, whatever, dancer. By and large, my job is to be joyful. And I think that one of the ways I was prepared for that was by being a pretty joyful kid. I think my second grade teacher, I still remember, wrote a note to my mom and dad and said, you know, Rob sometimes has a little trouble focusing, but he has a sunny disposition. And that's the truth, man. I get paid to do it in seventh grade. And I, I am here to tell you, and I'm glad you brought up the throat cancer. What's that axiom? We make plans and God laughs. And so I didn't get hair cancer. I didn't get fingernail cancer. No, got you throat. got the cancer that could affect your livelihood and your life. Yeah. But as a result of my, quote, sunny disposition, close quote, and the fact that my job is to have all these critters banging around in my cabeza and, and available for me to use when it's time, I had an enormous amount of joy and, and laughter to use in conjunction with my cutting-edge medical treatment. And I have to tell you that to a man and woman, my treatment team, um, when I was going through chemo and radiation, said to me, do not ever, ever discount the power of joy. We are here to tell you not every patient, for many reasons, is able to approach what is a pretty brutal treatment for obvious reasons with the same you know, joyful countenance. And that's how I make my living. So they were very clear in saying, as far as we're concerned, the chemo and radiation is are the important parts uh, of the treatment. 
but your sense of humor and joy are no less important. And they were the ones who brought that up. And I have to tell you, I it made a huge difference, I think, in my outcome. My listeners are probably tired of me bringing up this name, but I occasionally have to. Norman Cousins. Norman mm-hmm. Cousins, who used to be the editor of Saturday Review. Positive Thinking. Right. He wrote a book called Anatomy of an Illness. He had some sort of cellular degeneration. And he found, strictly by reading and watching comedy, he laughed mm-hmm. and his pain receded and he got better. And yeah. it's the opposite of what you were talking about. You give joy to people. He was receiving joy. And as a result, he wrote, as I mentioned, this book, Anatomy of Illness, which I recommend people buy, as well as your book, which again, yes, and your book is called Voice Lessons. Yes. And the subtitle of which is How a Couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky and an Animaniac Saved My Life. (laughs) And that is not hyperbole. And and Mr. Cousins was spot on. I read that book years ago at at the insistence of my grandparents. And now um, I'm feeling really old because I would recommend the book. Listen, I was the entertainment at the Last Supper. You know, in those days, I was (laughs) Shecky of Arimathea. But um, no, I remember, uh, uh, you'll probably remember this. When I was a kid and, you know, at every doctor's office, there was a copy of Reader's Digest magazine. And in the back, there was always a segment that said, laughter is the best medicine. You remember, of course. So I'd co-opted that. To say laughter is the best medicine. The cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. <laughs> and, and I'm here to tell you it's the damn truth. And I, uh, to be in a position where a big part of our existence is to either cultivate or deliver joy, I, I think that it really is a lovely way to move through life, especially when things go south, because they do for everybody, man. Nobody gets out of here without a couple of dings, Ira. And uh, you're absolutely we, right. And the main way to deal with it is attitude more than anything else. Amen. Yes, sir. Well said. I want to bring up a gentleman who I mentioned before the show started, Mel Blank. Oh, boy. And you had an opportunity to meet Mel once or twice. And the story with Mel, too, is when he had his accident and he wasn't responding, that I believe Noel, his son, talked to him in the voices of Bugs Bunny and other cartoon characters, and he responded. Yes, he did. It was remarkable. Mr. Blank uh, was driving his Aston Martin. He was obviously did quite well. It's a pretty good gig driving his Aston. I believe it was down uh, Laurel Canyon and had a pretty gnarly wreck and was in a coma for quite some time. And ultimately, what got him out of it and and the voices to which he responded were his character voices, Bugs, Daffy, Tweety. And I believe that I'm not mistaken, once he started to speak, he was able, he was actually speaking like bugs. And in other words, Noel was able to do the voice. And then Mel would essentially say, yeah, what's up, Doc? And it shows us, I believe, not only the power of, of those characters, but the extent to which they connect with people, including Mr. Blank, to his soul. I mean, that's a big deal. And I did have the good fortune of meeting him once in passing and then I got to work with him in Hanna-Barbera on a Jetsons project. I believe he was probably late 70s and I was 30. And I'll tell you, I, I love telling the story. It's it's quick and it, it's beautiful. I remember uh, the, the late, great Gordon Hunt, Helen Hunt's father, who was the director at Hanna-Barbera in those days. And we were doing this Jetsons project. And he said, hey, Robbie, Mel's here today. You want to sit next to uh, Mel Blank? And I said, oh, my God, I absolutely. So introduced myself. Nice to meet you, young man. Congratulations on your job, all that stuff. And I said, Mr. Blank, uh, like everyone with a pulse, I am a huge <laughs> fan. 
if it's not too much trouble. And Ira, that sweet man, knew exactly what I wanted. He'd done it a million times, but it's the first time he did it for me. And he looked at me and he just said, yeah, what's up, Doc? <laughs> and it blew my little 30-year-old mind. It was like electrifying. And so now that I'm a bit older, and I would never compare myself to Mr. Blank, but the point is that I've done enough characters that have become well-known that I know what's going to happen when I deliver those characters to a, 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 a sweet fan who wants to hear whatever. And I know what's coming. And often it's tearful. And I'll see men and women that are going, gosh, I, I don't know what's happening. And I'll say, I know what's happening. I know exactly what's happening because I've experienced myself. It is a, a like a time warp. It's an immediate sense of joy, sometimes comfort that takes you back to a place where the only thing you had to concern yourself with was getting a decent grade and watching cartoons. And, and often you've shared those experiences with your parents who are no longer here or your siblings who might be at different parts of the world. And now you're sharing it with your children or grandchildren. And I'm telling you what, I have learned again, as a result of nice people like you taking the time to chat with me, that these characters are way bigger than my paycheck, my friend. And I could not be more privileged to be in this position. It's incredible, and it's a it's an obligation in a way because it you is. yeah because you you when you interact with fans and you interact with people who are affected you you have to realize that impact that they are feeling the impact that they are feeling in terms of the emotional connection. I understand exactly what you're what you're talking yes. about. It's a fascinating just the psychology of it, let alone anything else. It is. Here's a question out of the blue, which is always good. Sure. Oh, first of all, you look like Billy Bob Thornton. That's what I just want to say that for the record. To me, well, you look like Billy Bob Thornton. Well, thank you very much, man. <laughs> I ain't no slang blade, but I do what I can, you know. <laughs> is there a voice that you enjoy doing that nobody else recognizes? It may be of someone that is not overly popular, but just for you, you love doing it. Yes. In fact, there was a, it's not too dissimilar to what I just did. Sorry. That's my, uh, my parole officer. Keep oh, thank you. I that. thought it was a distant. I couldn't figure out where it was oh, coming no, from. No, it's I'm okay. Sorry. It's, keep I, going. That's I should fine. have shut off these dinger things. But anyway, yes, there's a character I did years ago. There three leads were Pam Adlon from Better Things on FX, Mark Hamill, who's you, you guys know as the savior of the universe and uh, yours truly. We did a show for one season at Cartoon Network called Time Squad. And it was essentially an updated version of Peabody and Sherman. We'd go through history and meet famous people, but we were like intergalactic police that would try to right wrongs. But uh, I did a character like this, like Buck Tudrussell, who was an intergalactic cop, and uh, just about as dumb as a box of hammers. And, <laughs> and uh, But I'll tell you what, man, I had the best dang time in the world, and and uh, I got to work with uh, Luke Dang Skywalker, and we had too dang much fun. So that's that show didn't get much love, but... And I've always got characters in my back pocket just because I, I love to create for its own sake. And I can categorically tell you and your listeners that the desire and the Jones to create is no different at 65 than it was at 15. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is way better. But the, the way that I earn my money is not to worry about earning the money. It's about how do I continue to get better? How do I continue to um, foster new characters? And it is for the pure joy of doing it. It it just is. And so it's- you're, Well, you're a perfect example of 
I just read a book called Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. And it, you're a perfect example of what he talks about in the book, which is that you always strive to improve, even if it's just 1%. Just keep yes. working at it, keep working at it, keep improving. And that's what shifts it, these little improvements along the way, not one major improvement or you get discouraged because it isn't one major improvement. It's these small right. improvements working it day by day by day. Right. That's exactly true. And I, I'm never not creating. And really, pretty much everybody who does this at whatever level is the same way. And I, I got to stop dropping names. Bob De Niro told me that. But, <laughs> I've had the great good fortune of working with that's a good one. I, got, I, think, I owe that to my pal, Dave Coulier, which is another name drop. But I think Rob Paulson told me that the other day. Oh, that's that, you. Never mind. <laughs> I hope I'm in the position where I'm the person whose name gets dropped. But uh, I've had the great good fortune of working with Mr. Spielberg now. Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain have both been rebooted on Hulu. Again, thanks to the King of Hollywood. And here he is. I believe he's 74, 75 years old. And he is the same way with respect to atomic habits. It's all about, I've got this idea, I've drawn this down, I tell my secretary, my assistant, whatever, hey, I'm gonna record something, put it down because I think that's something I can use in my next picture or it's an idea for a picture. It never stops. Another dear friend is a guy I've been working with for years, David Copperfield. David is my age and does 15 shows a week in Vegas, Ira. The guy is a billionaire. He hasn't needed a dime. Little David Kotkin from a touch in New Jersey hasn't needed a dime for what, 30 years? But it's not about that. It's about, hey, Rob, check this. He's in Vegas too, obviously. Of course. Hey, Rob, come over to my warehouse. I want to show you this new crazy gimmick I'm going to blow people's minds with. It is not about the money. It is about the joy of creating and that, as you said beautifully, atomic habit. They're they're creating they're thinking, they're rethinking, they're throwing out bad stuff, bringing in new stuff. Their egos are utterly in check. They have people all the time saying, yeah, I don't know. Dave. Okay, great, great. You're right. Let's get rid of that. Let's go on there. And I believe that's a big part of their secret is that they don't let their ego get in the way of taking advice from people whom they trust. And uh, that's a that's especially when you're in that stratosphere, when you're in the you know, Steven Spielberg, David Copperfield stratosphere for you to be able to put your ego aside and, and really authentically listen to people who are going to give you good information that that helps you a lot. And they know that. So I try to take a page out of those books because it sure helped them. And I, I got no problem taking the, taking a tip from those folks. It's harder, I think, for the two you mentioned to get to that point that they could take advice because they've been saluted and lauded for so many decades, not yep. years, decades, that it's tough to remember that, hey, you know what? I could still learn some more stuff here. Oh, absolutely. And and they are, all, the other thing is that, that they are, is the is really decent folks, Ira. Just for the you record, I, that was Rob's email that just made that noise. It wasn't Yes, I'm mine. sorry. That yes. was, I was sending that to Steven Spielberg telling him, <laughs> if his ears are burning, it's my friend Ira and I speaking of him. Um, but I'll tell you what, and, and this is the God's honest truth. I've just had the good fortune of meeting you just now. You're a delightful gentleman. It's no wonder you're successful, but I would submit that you're probably just like that in real life. Well, when, when you are able to meet and spend time with people at that level, and you see that those who have all the money, all the fame, all the Hollywood juice they could ever need, 
everything that anyone would ever want in, in that realm. And they choose to be decent. They choose to come into a room and say, Ira, it's a pleasure to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And, and they would say, Ira, do you mind if we get a picture together? That kind of thing to take the onus off you because everybody wants a picture with Steven Spielberg, but he's the sort of gentleman who'll say, I know we've only got a few minutes. How about if, would you, are you okay with me taking a picture? That type of stuff. And to be able to learn and see how those people move through their life and the grace with which they do it. It's an absolute masterclass in humanity, really. I wish that everyone in Hollywood had that masterclass mm -hmm. going, but unfortunately it's not that way. But it's nice to know that there are they people, such as you mentioned, that, that do. They really do, yeah. yeah. When, you, when you were going through, I want to get back to the throat cancer because that's such sure. a comedic subject, that when you had it, that was a joke, when you had it. <laughs> right. I can take it. I, I've, been, I've had the hell beat out of me, but I'm, I'm still smiling. That's why I did it that way purposely. Yeah, um, no what, problem. Was there a period of time when you did not have the voice to work with? Yes. And how long was, was that time? Yeah, it was about six months where I wasn't, not even 50%. My my doctors, you know, right away, the, these people uh, who come to your assistance and become part of your team, literally overnight, once you're diagnosed, were just world-class, like many of, of your listeners. I'm not unusual. Sadly, cancer is so ubiquitous that we all know people whom we love and maybe our own selves and folks we've lost. But they suss you out pretty quick. And when they knew what I did for a living, that I'm, you know, a, a comedic entertainer, and I've been doing it for decades, and all of them had kids and grandkids who knew everything I'd worked on. It was remarkable. And I remember my, um, my radiation oncologist, a lovely gentleman, Henry Ampolsky said, Mr. Paulson, pleasure to meet you. I feel certain we can cure you. But I got to tell you, before we do, we almost have to kill you. And I started laughing, because I thought, okay, I, the fact that you were straight with me and told me that is appreciated. I, I didn't, I was 59 years old. I didn't need to be handled with kid gloves, but he said, well, no, you know, you, because we know the sort of sense of humor and the, and the cut of your jib, we want to be straight with you and encourage you to laugh. Even if it's at your own expense, please, you know, joke about whatever you need to joke about. It's not for everybody, but you clearly are, you know, that's how you operate. But that was insightful of them to spot that. In very, there. very. And that's my point exactly. It was very insightful. They clearly took the time to do some research about me specifically. And the next person may have been, you know what, this man or woman, we got to tweak it differently. Wonderful. And so they were right. It was brutal for obvious reasons. They got to zap your throat, the chemo and the radiation. No uh, surgery, thank goodness. But there was a period of time where I could not speak very well. I couldn't eat for probably a month. I started out my treatment at a buck seventy-five, and by the time I was done, I was at one hundred and twenty-five. So I lost a ton of weight. Uh, but you know what? At the risk of getting too well, this is important in our context. I had had countless encounters, Ira, for decades with children and their parents when I would get a call from Make-A-Wish, and not just me, we all do it, parents, child life specialists, grandparents. My sweet nephew is, is going through bone cancer. He's 13, and he loves Pinky in the Brain. Do you think Pinky could call him up? Of course Pinky can call him up. I got to see what real courage is about. 
by virtue of having these encounters with children and their parents and the parents often knowing that their children were not going to make it, that before my sweet boy or girl leaves, he or she wants to talk to Raphael or whatever. And so by the time I was diagnosed, I had literally had, if not a hundred, six or seven dozen examples, many of whom were no longer here. And you know what happened, Ira? Once people started finding out that I was going through this, and it, it really just, you know, obviously I have no trouble talking. I haven't shut up since you've been kind of <laughs> This is when I start to get a little tongue-tied because the parents of these children who had passed away would get in touch with me and say, Mr. Paulson, here's the, here's the video of you speaking to Chad. He passed away 15 years ago. Ultimately, his uh, muscular dystrophy caught up with him. But you will never know. You will never, never know what Raphael meant to us and Chad and his family who's left behind. And so we just want you to know that you have that all inside of you. And you have that power. And I'm telling you, Ira, these people took the time to get in touch with me 10, 15, 20 years later just to remind me what I did for a living. And the extent to which that helped them in a profoundly, my goodness, I cannot, I truly cannot imagine how a parent gets up the next day and puts their pants on after bearing the child. I, I can't do it. I, I, my son is 36 years old and I had the gift of learning about true courage and empathy and kindness and, and strength while I was a young father so that I would come home from a trip and my kid would spill a little chocolate ice cream on the sofa. Big deal. You know what I mean? I had this incredible perspective. And boy, did that help me through my particular struggle. So Rob 2.0 is different. I I will always be probably 25, 30 pounds lighter than I was before. I can't taste food the same way. And we never know, Ira, that as a result of your kindness, when someone is going to hear this chat, and they have a loved one going through the same sort of cancer that I did, that Val Kilmer did, that Eddie Van Halen did. And sadly, he didn't make it. Roger Ebert. And I now am the spokesman for the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance. So now that Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain are back on Hulu and they're unqualified successes again, someone will hear this and say, hey, Uncle Bill, I know you're dealing with that cancer. You're fixing to have this difficult treatment. But remember when you told me about Pinky and the Brain and I was in high school and you were in college and all that stuff? Well, turn it on Hulu. The guy that's the voice of Pinky had exactly what you had. And these recordings are after his treatment. Uncle Bill, you got this. And that's why it's important for you to ask me. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you bringing it up, pal. That was very kind of you. Absolutely. I want to leave with this little slogan that I've learned. I think it was Art Gibbler. I had it on my wall for years. And I think it fits you to a T, which is why I'm bringing it up. And here is what it is. Great. You're only young once, but with humor, you can be immature forever. <laughs> Man, you nailed it. I am going to give you credit for giving credit. That was fantastic, pal. I just think that you apply to it. It applies to you. And I that's, that's the essence of Rob Paulson, I think. Oh, thank you, buddy. Well, in a good way. I mean, immaturity is oh, good, no. and, and obviously. We talked Listen, about it. 
I'll take it. I, I look, my, <laughs> job, my job is to act like a nine-year-old when I go to work. Exactly. Really Before I let you go, one last thing, and that is, I've noticed that with humor, humor is a great social lubricant. It can connect yes. people from all kinds of walks of life, classes, incomes, races. It doesn't matter. If, if, one, if person A has a sense of humor and person B, who's totally different, has a sense of humor, they connect on some level that people that don't have senses of humor cannot even understand. Would you agree with that? 100%. And, and I can leave you with one really interesting anecdote. And I saw it happen. I have, interestingly, there are a lot of kids and grown kids too, on the autism spectrum who often connect with these characters. And I mean, really deeply connect, often become verbal as a result of watching Mickey Mouse or SpongeBob or whatever, you name it. And in, you know, in the rest of their lives, they'll have trouble buying a Slurpee on their own. And their sweet parents will, you know, go to bed at night worrying, my God, what is going to happen to my child when we're gone? You know, all those things that that parents have to deal with. And so I happen to have a good friend, Leonard Mladenov, who's a world-class physicist and has done three books with Stephen Hawking and and teaches at Caltech out there in uh, Pasadena. And a particular young fan on the autism spectrum is about 30 years old. And this young gentleman is very challenged. Utterly joyful, but particularly really loves Animaniacs. Interestingly, my friend Leonard asked me to do a, uh, a book, his uh, Q&A for a, a book he recently published about his work with Stephen Hawking. And I told the same pinky in the brain joke to my young friend, Anthony, who is challenged, very challenged with his autism at 30 years old, and my friend Leonard Mladenov, a Nobel laureate. And do you know, and I know people are going to say, well, what's about the both of them laughed and you know what I'm going for, laughed at the same spot with a belly laugh. It connected with them both at a spot in their brain that had nothing to do with super intellect or the challenges of autism. And I was utterly flabbergasted, which speaks directly to your point about humor is, is boundless. And if you run into somebody who isn't capable of of finding the joy in virtually anything, I just, my heart breaks for those folks. You know, I just can't imagine going through life without humor. I can't either. But that's a, a great way to end it with that story. My yeah. guest has been voice actor Rob Paulson. He's in Las Vegas for Unicon Las Vegas at the World Trade Center, October 1st through the 3rd. And you can follow Rob on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Rob, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for uh, very much. And as I, as I said, laughter is the best medicine. Cool things you can't OD and the refills are free. Take Absolutely. Care, See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.